Proverbs chapter 24. We'll begin tonight, and the main emphasis will be on verse 10, which we will read in a moment. Proverbs 24, verse 10, it says, If thou faint in the day of adversity, thy strength is small. If thou forbear to deliver them that are drawn unto death, those that are ready to be slain, if thou sayest, Behold, we knew it not, doth not he that pondereth the heart consider it? And he that keepeth thy soul, doth not he know it? And shall not he render to every man according to his works? If thou faint in the day of adversity, thy strength is small. An immediate result of that small strength or that fainting because of the small strength is that we are not able to deliver those we should be able to deliver. And uh, that's a serious, serious things that happen when we do not have the strength that we have. I wondered the thing. And I know I'm speaking to people here tonight who are not in this category. You, you're at your church. You're faithful. I'm not chiding you. And truthfully, I'm not even chiding those who are very uh, careless about their church attendance, either being away for large sections of time when there's no warrant for doing so, no illness, no reason, and uh, or those who just hit or miss, take care, leave it. I've been amazed over the last year, especially probably as I've thought about it. I've thought... There's consistently, when I talk to some, and some have been out of services for a good while and such thing, yet they're very friendly. They, uh, they, they don't have aught against the church, or me personally. There's not, there's not meanness in their heart towards things. But I talk to them, invariably, here's a statement. I'm going to get back in, I'm going to come back. I thought, I wonder what the whole group, because there's always a group doing that, for whatever reasons. My purpose, like I said, is not to rebuke or chide them. But I wonder what they're going to do when the day finally comes, when they come back and they can't come back because it's not the same anymore. They assume this preacher will be here. I won't always be. They assume the church will always be there. And yet they themselves will step away from the responsibilities and step away from the, what they could be doing to keep it going and yet expect that those who remain will just pick up all the rest and go. It's funny. And, and especially the thing that's caught my attention about it is people who are out of the way towards their church and leave for whatever reason with that, that's... That's something different. But this this is a thinking among people who are not, you know, there there's not anything that they 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 don't wish harm on their church. They don't they don't have a controversy with it. And uh, you say, well, preacher, can you figure out why they stay out? I don't don't even try to. As I tell, my job is to love folks and. Tell the truth and do what I'm supposed to be doing. And truthfully, I wouldn't want to miss everything the Lord does. 
But I just wonder. I just wonder. Because there's always the presumption that it's still going to be there. There's something that happens in people's minds when a church has been around for a good while and then a pastor's been in one place for a long time that it is always going to be that way, not realizing that human frailty and things can overtake at any time. That'd be a shock. And uh, the cause of that, we ought to we ought to rejoice in every time we have together. You know, it's uh, I uh, we have times of family meals at our house, and of course our grown children now, and our uh, we've got our daughter-in-laws, our daughters to us, and and we have a uh, uh, we'll have a meal, and I look around that. Ah, that's good. It's that's precious every time that can happen. Um, I honestly can say that when we had uh, for years and years we had the uh, breakfast Christmas breakfast at my mom's. I can stand before you and truthfully say, from the time I was young, I did not take this for granted. Every year, vitally important. Vitally important. I remember being in Bible college and different things going on. They say, you're going to stay over the Christmas holiday. I'm like, good luck on that. You know how that went sometimes. We went, they tried to say, well, a commitment to... I said, no, I got a commitment to somebody called a family. And what my mama does. And so 40, what, 41 years or so we had those. Everyone was precious. And honestly, you get older, you realize, you know, things can change, but we never, I never really, I thought about it. I purposely make myself think of some things, not enough to make myself morbid about things, but to just be appreciative. But not really wonder if this is the last one until those last five years when mom was so ill, you know. And some of the family said, well, we'll carry on. No, you won't. <laughs> it's not the same. Cannot be the same because it's centered around the person who had started it. And such is the nature of things we do in life, isn't it? And we ought to thank God for the good days that we have and the good opportunities to be in the house of the Lord and be very grateful. And every time you're grateful for it, every time you're thankful for it, you're doing the right thing. And uh, let, me, let me recommend you that way. Proverbs 24, in this verse, has been on my mind. I'm really interested to see what's going to happen with the service tonight because... What has happened, this has been on my mind and I keep coming back to it that here's what I'm supposed to be preaching and I have ideas, been prayed over, thought over, meditated over as to what to bring to you, but I don't have one of those real good point-by-point outline type deals for us. But I have a truth to you, for to, truth to deliver to you, truth to you, a truth to deliver to you and uh, to deliver to me. And uh, this, this passage, let's look in verse 10. And I'm going to speak to you this evening on the subject of small strength. Let me say to you right at the beginning, I'm glad it isn't no strength. Now let's look at the verse and see what it says, and I'll give you what I know I'm supposed to bring to you. It says, If thou faint, when, church? Day of adversity. Now what's your condition if that happens? Thy strength is what? As I said here to lead in, it doesn't mean that our strength is non-existent. It just means that it's small. I'm reminded in the book of Revelation being addressed to one of the churches that said, strengthen that which remains. 
That's good advice. Make it stronger. And uh, capitalize on, build on what you do have. Don't bemoan what you have lost to the point of it crippling you. Don't sorrow over what you no longer have to the point of not being able to go forward. Why? You have to build on what little was there. Um, it's interesting. It says, if thou faintest, if thou faint in the day of adversity. Then, as I was thinking about it, I thought about this thing, a day of adversity comes. Now, I'm glad it's a day, and understand it may last more than 24 hours. Right? Um, it, it, it may linger, but it's for a season, for a time. And during that time, there'll be different intensities of adversity. It doesn't tell us, Brother John, what the adversity is. It's a day of adversity. Maybe adversity caused by ourselves. The Bible says we oppose ourselves at times, so sometimes we are our own problem. Maybe adversity caused by what you normally run into in life. As you go through life, there are just things that are part of life that you have to work through. That's part of life. I mean, get a grip on reality. That's the way it is. Um, nobody owes you anything. Nobody owes you a living. Nobody owes you an existence. Nobody owes you an easy time. There's adversity. There's times and things we need to overcome. There's things we need to take the responsibility for our own lives with the, the ability that God's given us and as far as we have the strength to do it, and we need to just take the responsibility for things and go forward. That's reality. But in day of adversity, what's the day of adversity? Well, you know, at different times of your life, certain adversities may seem a lot worse than others. I don't know if I told you this. If I already have, will you please look interested? Because I can't remember what I told you already or not. Usually I know I'm repeating myself. I'm starting to worry. Now I'm not sure if I repeated myself or not. Um, but I had an interesting conversation with Brother Nip the other day. Did I tell you about that? About him being tired? Did I tell you? Well, I'm going to tell you again because I had fun. Okay, some of you are as good memories as I did, so it's working good. But Brother Niff, we were talking the other day and they had uh, their vacation Bible school and their, their day camp thing they have for teens. They ran them back to back. Well, he still works at UPS and of course, everybody involved with thing delivery service is working a lot more hours right now. You know, things picked up and uh, have stayed up as far as delivery drivers. And he used to work about four hours a night, sometimes five, but now he's working six, seven, seven or eight hours and then pastoring. And, and uh, so they had vacation Bible school Andy's working nights and doing that. I'm thinking, good night. And uh, he had, I called and I was getting information from him. We uh, sent the money down to the Looneyville, <laughs> hard to look, but down to the, 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 the track publication, Looneyville, West Virginia. And um, I still love that. But uh, he's, he's on the board of directors with that. And, and so I'd called him to find out where's the mailing address and who do we make this out to? <laughs> make it out to the loonies in Looneyville? Who do we make this out to, you know? And, uh, and so he called me back and told me what was going on. And he got, he got chuckling. And I said, what? He said, why? He said, I remember something you've said. And he said, when you said it, he said, really, he said, it kind of bothered him. He's made that statement a few times over the years. <laughs> Apparently in the few months they were here, I said several things that bothered him. Um, but he... Uh, they were all right, by the way. But he, um, he said, I remembered something you said. He said, he said, I stopped by the property for a minute. And he says, I forget what building you're working on. And he says, I got snagged. 
And he said, I walked on the property and he said, oh, your timing's perfect. And he said, I left about three or four hours later. <laughs> it was great, you know, you're, you're breathing, you walked on property, it's obviously God's will you do this next thing with us. <laughs> and uh, so he said, uh, he said, the statement that you made, he, he said, you looked at me at that time and you said to me, and you know, I mean, he'd been very, very young, 20s, late 20s at the time or something like that. He, he said, you looked at me and you said, uh, how you doing? I said, how are you? And he said, I looked at you and said, I'm tired. And he said, you were working on something. I said, you just turned around and looked at me and looked at him. And he said, you just looked at me and very bluntly, not jokingly, said, so if you're tired now, you're just not going to make it. And he said, I thought, well, who's he to say something like that? And he said, you looked at me. He says, I, I said something. And you said again, look at him and said, son, you're tired now with what you're doing with your church. You're just not going to make it. You were figured it out. And he goes, huh. And uh, he said, bothered me for a couple of days. Obviously more than that because he remembers it, you know, <laughs> 17 years later. But he, uh, he goes, I just want to tell you something, preacher. I said, well, Brother Niff. He goes, man, were you right? He goes, I thought about what I was doing then, what I'm doing now. And he goes, man, was I a whiny little kid. I said, well, I didn't call you a whiny little kid. He said, uh, he said no, he said, but he said, you were right. So when I had to, we had to make contact again, and uh, I found out he was doing both of those back to back, and what the schedule was like, because I, I was talking to uh, some of his family, and I said, "Hey, don't don't wake your dad up." I called. He was trying to get an hour of sleep between things, and, and I said, "Don't wake him up." I said, "Just you know, when he gets time, I, I need this information." He called me back. And I said, "Hey, brother Niff," I said, "Got new, good news for you." He goes, "What's that?" I said, "Reference back to our conversation a couple weeks ago." When you talked about me saying, you know, if you're tired, you're not going to make it. And he goes, oh, yeah. And I said, uh, I said, you officially have the right to be tired. <laughs> and uh, isn't it funny? He's looking back at what seemed overwhelming at that time. And now he looks back at that and says, really? That would be like a vacation. Yeah. And you go through things in life and God grows you during things and your day of adversity will change as you change. And by the way, strength is not perpetually up. Not physically, mentally. There's a wear and tear of the years that do affect. And so our days of adversity we need. I was just reading the other day and, uh, about David almost being killed by one of the sons of the giant and one of his men having to rescue him. In fact, they wouldn't allow David to go into that type of battle anymore because they said, lest the light of Israel be quenched. He almost got taken out. Why? Because David was quite a bit older man by then and he wasn't able to do in battle like he had done physically. And uh, so your David versus... Well, I wonder what it'll be. These little ones have a David versity. And I'm not for kids. Learn you know, whine around and you pat, pat them all the time every time they whine about some little thing. They need to learn how to handle some things in life. But, you know, at the same time, some things are very real to them. And, uh, you know, <laughs> grow up and be a man. You know, three years old, be a man. Well, <laughs> you'll be a man like I am. Well, that's not much of a testimony if you're equating yourself with a three-year-old. Uh, <laughs> someone's deficit on one side of that scale, and I'll let you figure it out, all right? Uh, but if thou faint in the day of adversity... Now, when I first started thinking about this verse and started meditating and praying on this verse because I kept coming back to it that this is what we need as a church right now, that we need this verse. I kept thinking in my mind 
Fainting is a, col- a complete collapsing. Ever seen anybody faint? I have. They just, boom, they hit the ground. All right? um, that's not never a pleasant thing. You see them going down. Um, there was a time in Bible college I had some health problems going on. I would black out. I'd be standing there and just, boom. Next thing I know, I'm hitting the floor to be people around me. Most inconvenient. And uh, I thought about that type of thing. But as I kept thinking about it, my mind kept going back to a verse, and it's kind of like one of those things where the Lord said, you're not getting a whole picture on this thing. That is part of the problem, and we can get to a point of complete collapse in our fainting. And that can be an application. It's, it's accurate if thou faint in the day of adversity, that the adversity comes and we just, we, have, we just fall away from it. But yet in the Bible, there's a great little statement about the men uh, that were with Gideon. And of course, the Lord used Gideon and 300 men to run out an invading army, the Midianites. And the Midianites and the children of the east, it was called. In other words, it was not only the Midianites, but it was also a confederacy of, of a lot of different countries that come together. And they had just overrun Israel in that area. And they were so numerous, they couldn't even give the number of them. And we know what happened, don't we? That they gathered together to Gideon to go to battle. And God said, you got too many. He said, if you win... They're going to take the credit. That's what he said. He said, they'll exalt themselves against me. That's what God told Gideon. If you win with this many, they're going to exalt themselves against me and think that their own hand did it. And so they had, they had the uh, crowd there and God told him, he said, you go to that crowd and you say, anybody who's scared of this upcoming battle, you really don't want to do this, then you go home and 23,000 left. <laughs> Just whoop. Oh man. And God took Gideon inside and said, You still got too many. And God said, Now I'll, it's interesting. God says, I will sort them for you. Gideon didn't sort them at that point. God said, I'll sort them for you. And took them down, let them get a drink. And some of the men, they lapped, and what they did, according to the biblical description, they knelt down like this, but they scooped the water in their hand and then lapped it like a dog. That would put them in this type of position. The others went down, and the Bible says specifically on both knees, and they drank, it would have been this deal. And God said, the ones who did this, He said, set those aside, that's your army. 300. Now I think it's interesting because those who did that can still be watchful where the others were totally vulnerable to that position. I don't know if that's a factor or not. It doesn't say, but it's an interesting thing. And so what happens? You know how it went. They got the pitcher, a light in it, and each of them had a trumpet, and they surrounded the Midianites and went around them on some of the hills at night. And they broke those pitchers, glass pitchers, or you know, the vase type things, and shattered that sound at night. And all of a sudden, all these lights appear, all these trumpets go off, and they shout, The sword of the Lord and Gideon. And of course, what ended up happening, it so scared the Midianites and the other men. I was just. Uh, looking at that again to make sure of the number, they slew, they, they turned on each other. It was dark and all of a sudden all these lights and they just start swinging and this one's swinging so he thinks that one's enemy. And before that was done, before that was done, I think uh, some of Gideon's men got a few of them, but mostly it was self-inflicted damage. You talk about friendly fire with swords. 
120,000 of them were, were gone because of that stuff. So then Gideon takes off after. And um, he called for help out of the children of Ephraim. And they came along and they slew the two kings, Oreb and Zeb, and uh, killed them. And then, um, then Gideon and the men after him were pursuing two other kings of this group, Zeba, Z-E-B-A-H, and Zalmunna. And they went along, and I won't go into what happened with some of the uh, some of the people who kind of mocked them as they were going or didn't help them and that sort of thing. They came back later and said they taught them with thorns and with briars. They literally took them into this town and wouldn't give them help. And they got the thorns, and they said, now we're going to teach you something about Bet they got the point, huh? And... Uh, So they're pursuing these two kings. And here's the, here's the great term. All that to come to this great term. And this is what really settled something in my mind here. It said that Gideon continued after Zeba and Zalmunna with 300 men, here's a great term, faint yet pursuing. They were faint. They needed food. The men that they got angry at was over the thing they wouldn't feed them. They weren't as effective in battle as they could have been, they, but they were still pursuing. And so part of what I understood is not only could we have the faint, which would be a collapsing away and a dead away faint, you might call it, but it can also be the type of faint where we're pursuing, we're still seeking to serve the Lord, we haven't given up on God, we haven't said... I'm not going to do this anymore. But yet the strength for what is ahead is not evidentially there and we cannot keep at the pace where perhaps is needed at that time. There's a day of adversity and we just can't do what we need to do. If thou faint in the day of adversity, thy strength, church, is small. Now, part of the message I'm to give you tonight is this. If you do faint in the day of adversity, then you need to not despise the lesson which you're learning. You need to face and realize and accept, and I don't mean accept as in you're willing to stay like that, but you need to face and accept the fact that your strength is small. That's the first point. You've, you've, got to, you've got to face that. I have to face it if my strength is small. Because if I don't, there will be absolutely no progress made at all. I sent you a quotation, I think, on yesterday, Brother Tim. I read a little quotation, and boy, it fit in well with what I was going to preach tonight. It said... Uh, it said, to change the future, we must disturb the present. It's a good statement. It really is. And uh, if our strength is small, we faint in the day of adversity, we find that we cannot operate. And we're to the point where we know we're overwhelmed then we need, to, we need to ask the questions such as, why is our strength small? I'm not going to try to pinpoint your situation exactly. 
but I'm going to give you some thoughts scripturally on this. One reason why strength is small is because we have been lax or negligent during the times when we could be getting strong. The times when there's not this strong adversity. Stay with me now. So if you need to take notes, like Brother Carpenter said, to stay awake, amen? I may pass out pencils before this is over. Uh, <laughs> by the way, that never worked for me in Bible college. That's where I fought it most time. I, I, I put ink marks on more than one suit pant. Like I just went down and off the paper. Um, and then drooled, and that's bad. They, but if you... Brother Andrew's going to get a pencil. Uh, <laughs> but if we don't prepare, if we are not diligent in the times when things seem to be going at ease, then we are susceptible when adversity comes. We often lose the edge for adversity at the time of ease. Simply because we take it as a time of ease. I'm not talking about walking around being uptight. I'm talking about not maintaining healthy practices. <laughs> I remember being amused years ago. I was on a bicycle trail and this fellow went past me. It's been a good number of years ago. He was an older guy, probably at least 56 or something. But... Uh, he was riding, he had a bicycling jersey on, and he was, he could outride me. He was one of these guys who had ridden forever and forever. But he, he had this definite bulge around here. And a lot of times they'll have cycling club name on it or whatever, you know, they're part of. And he had this punchy guy on a bicycle. He was on the cycling jersey with his cheeks puffy. And literally, it said, old guys who get fat in the wintertime bicycle club. <laughs> I said, are you serious? He goes, oh yeah. He goes, there's several of us. He goes, this is what we do. He goes, every spring we hate ourselves. And <laughs> he goes, it's great downhill. <laughs> uh, I think spiritually, <laughs> we, we can do that, can't we? That we don't get strength or we, we're not aware, let's, let's think of strength and, and being healthy in the Lord and healthy in the things of God. Let's think of that together. And uh, we don't mind our, in other words, take care of or watch over our strength. And because of that, when adversity comes, we are not able to, uh, to stay at it. Either faint out, dead away, or, or not be able to rise to the occasion of what's needed. And... Uh, our strength is small. Neglect. You want to do something, you, you want to make some honest progress in things. You, you don't write things down. You don't, you don't make a plan for doing things. You don't progress in any area of life. You want to really check something. First of all, you, you cannot grow spiritually as a child of God and keep yourself uh, separate from the Word of God. You just won't do it. You know, however much you may put in your brain at some time does not feed you for today. There's a relationship involved with this. Um, you, you, want, you want to actually do something. I'll give you this. I'm telling you something I've done more than once. Start actually chronicling what you're doing in your reading. I have different types of reading I do in the Bible. And on the, on the different types of reading... There are things I do, and 
on that three by five card right there are what dates I did and when I read and what I read. You say, what's that? Well, in my personal budgeting, I do an audit at least once a month of, of make sure where I am financially, make sure I'm not messing things up because you can, <laughs> transposing one number can really mess you up. Uh, it's called checking on things. I weigh myself every morning. Why? Because uh, <laughs> fat don't always come at once. It'll get you an ounce at a time. I'd rather fight it before it's gained, gained a bunch of ground on me or put a bunch of ground on me. Uh, you see what I'm saying? So there are just little things. And all that is, is by the way, this to me is not I'm shooting for this amount or that amount to do. What I'm looking for are gaps. Am I consistently in the Word? Oh, preacher, you're a preacher. I know, that's, that's part of the problem I fight against. I'm always preparing messages. My wife can tell you, it's always just I'm writing in my mind, doing things. Um, I'm, I'm studying. It's, it's what I do. But I need time just to feed me. I get fed from the other two, but I need some time to just, you know, in the Lord. You ever have the times where you sit down and try to read your Bible and it's like your brain will not stay on that page where it's like you go bouncing off here or there. That's something else. Tell you what, my inner child is unruly some days. But just some way of measuring. Where have you been with the Bible? I mean, if you want to get serious about it, if you'd like to leave tonight and this message not just be, oh, that's a neat truth, but it actually help you go forward in life, you might want to check that and then just see where you're at. Let's see the reality. In scripture, a couple days a week, then why not try to move that up to three or four? Say, well, that's not a lot. Well, it's forward. I'm not talking chapters and chapters, but just being around it. Allow the Lord to to uh, speak through His Word into your life to strengthen you. You need strength. You need strength. The day of adversity comes without warning, and the uh, day of adversity surely comes to all. And so, um, if we faint, then we know that our strength is small. And part of what happens, it's just neglect. Neglect of the spirit. Neglect of the soul. At the beginning of the service here, I, I, uh, I admonish you. I said, let the song service affect you. It's a mistake to show up for preaching time at church. You need more than just preaching time at church. You need the songs. You need the, uh, the whole thing. You need to come to worship God together. Give yourself wholly to the saying. Allow it to work inside your life. And uh, you need strengthened. The Bible talks about being strengthened with mind in the inner man. You ever just felt hollow inside? Back before my sleep apnea was diagnosed and, and the severity of it was revealed and all that. I always felt like the center of my thorax area in the chest area, it felt like something had reached in and just scooped everything out. I would push myself. I would force myself to keep it the pace I was going. But it felt like everything inside was completely hollow. There was nothing there. Physically, it was a very painful feeling sometimes. In fact, that description of it, and that may not mean anything to you, but that description allowed my sister to actually go and get tested and find out the need she had because I described it as that scooped out her hollow food and she goes, that's what I have happening. And uh, hers was in her head. No, okay. Um, <laughs> I'm such a goner. She listens to this stuff. Uh, but 
But that feeling, <laughs> that feeling, spiritually speaking, is exactly where you get. You get to a point where you just have no strength. You can't go. And uh, let's look at the fact that our strength is small. First of all, um, the strength, it doesn't say there's no strength. To me, that's encouraging. I do have strength. I may not have sufficient strength, but I do have strength. And God can help me have more strength. He can help me for what I need. Sometimes our strength is small because we've picked up things that aren't in the Father's will. We literally reached into too many areas and and so have worn ourselves. Someone, they used to call it the dissipations of youth. Anybody ever hear that term, that phrase? That's an old phrase, dissipations of youth. What does that mean? That means being foolish in a young age and wasting your energy, staying up all night doing foolish stuff, doing all this and that, and wasting that energy, wasting the strength that God's given you on foolish and hurtful things. They don't even have to be wicked things, but just things where if you had enjoyed and yet had the moderation of taking care of yourself, you could have so much more fully enjoyed everything for so much of a longer time. You know, there's this kind of sideways humor with the thing where it came out years ago and it's funny the first time you hear it, but unfortunately it doesn't ever stop it the first time you keep hearing it. It's like I saw one of these signs in town, God help us. I, I thought these were extinct. I wish they were extinct. What is missing? C-H-C-H. You are. Oh, please. <laughs> Anybody who puts that on church signs should be banished and exiled and whatever else you can do to them. Okay, that's just too hokey to be associated with the work of God, please. You know, some things are not immoral. They're just too dumb to be associated with God's work and they need to be left alone. But anyway, I digress. They, but the saying or this joke was, if I knew I was going to live this long, I'd take better care of myself. Anybody ever hear that? That's funny when it's a 25-year-old saying it. Oh. But there's an element of truth to that. It, it is that there is going to come a day of adversity. Let's not foolishly take ourselves to a low point. Let's not foolishly take ourselves to a point of no strength. See, one thing about it, if you're constantly walking at the edge, constantly playing the edge, and constantly pushing yourself to the edge, it doesn't take a lot to fall off and hurt yourself. Let's choose a right way, a good way, a strong and healthy way to operate in our lives. God will give you wisdom if you seek it to know how that applies to your particular situation. I'm guiding you into truth through the Word. I'm showing you precept through the Word. You seek out the Holy Spirit for the proper application in your own life. I'm guiding you, but you, you must follow. You need to search it out. And you do that, then God will show you. Know your strength is small. Sometimes it's because of neglect. Sometimes it's because of corruption. Just the same as someone uh, wanting to get yourself in a, a, a ready for some kind of uh, physical endeavor that takes a lot of endurance and such. There are certain things they would not seek to eat, to put into their bodies, to consume. Why? Because it's not healthy. It's not healthful. It does not benefit them. Some things are even 
detrimental to that. Same way spiritually, there are things the Bible says that we are to flee youthful lust, watch this, which war, fleshly lust rather, which war against the soul. Isn't that an amazing term? Every time I think of that, when, when, I, when I think of that, Wesley, that war against the soul, over at the uh, Air Force Museum, right Pat Air, Air Force Base, how many of you have ever been over there to the Air Force Museum? There's a picture, and you go in, I don't know if it's still laid out the same way, it was laid out chronologically, a lot of things over there, and uh, how things happened in aviation. And it shows World War I. And it's, it, it used to have, I don't know if it still does, it's been a while since I've been there, but on a big mural on the entire wall, you would walk into the area and then they had some of the planes of that time period and such things. But it had on a whole wall, a mural there, or very, very lifelike, like a big, big picture instead of a, a painting type thing. No man's land. And that no man's land was between, that, was a, that, that stagnated into a trench warfare and the Allied and Axis powers were there, and that was the ground between those two war, warring groups. And sometimes they'd shift back and forth some, but that center part, nothing green was left. If there were a few snags of trees up, they were burnt and blasted. Shell holes out there, and just as horrific a landscape as what man's evil ingenuity could ever cause. And when I think of that verse, when I read the verse, the fleshly lust that war against the soul, I imagine my inside, me, my, my spirit, my, my soul, my, my inner being looking like what that picture looked like. Devastated. Lifeless. Barren. Why? Because of this constant struggle. Now, I wouldn't be any surprise that we wouldn't have strength if we allow ourselves to be in that condition with it. If thou faint in the day of adversity, thy strength is small. So then the question comes, how can we make sure our strength is not small? I say to you, a loving and uh, worshiping and thanking and, and, and uh, expressive relationship towards the Lord for what He's done for us and who He is strengthens us. That strengthens you inside. Can I say a grateful and loving and expressive relationship towards those God brings into our life that we are supposed to be expressive towards? Can I say to you, that strengthens you. God has ways for us to be strengthened. There's a day of adversity coming. We recognize it in transitions of life. If I, were to, if I were to sit with a group of 20, 25 pastors that were experienced men, been at it a few years, if we were to bring up the subject, and, and I know because of individual conversations or small groups of conversation I've had with men, where do you see the trouble? I'm talking about men who care about what happens with the people who are in their churches. Where do you see the trouble spots in people's lives? No, I'm not talking about men wanting to talk about and gossip about the church members. I'm talking about men wanting to help each other, help others. Where do you see trouble spots? Well, the first things that will always come up, invariably, is at times of major transition. 
marriage. And marriage is a blessing from the Lord, and when it's done right, it's a great thing. It can, it can prove to be a blessing to each that makes both better. But sometimes it becomes such a distraction. One thing is the wedding becomes more important than the marriage for a little while. And relationships all the way around suffer for that. People get so focused on that, they quit attending to where they are, and they go into a new marriage, which is a completely different situation in life, and they go into it at a low ebb spiritually, and, and that, that's not a good combination. Marriage is one point. Arrival of a child. At least the first couple after that doesn't make much difference. But they, but arrival of a child. And that's in varying degrees if they've been instructed well. People who understand that it is the responsibility of the adult to set the schedule for the child, not the child to set the schedule for the adult. And that has to be implemented as soon as possible. Amen. I love that we had uh, had occasion to have uh, dinner with Brother Terrell and Miss Diane, and then uh, uh, a friend of our John Cammy Lentz. John was one of my original roommates in college, and he's been a member of Moraine Heights for many, many, many years. And we we met and had dinner together. <laughs> Subject came up: somebody had twins. Who's they are? I don't know. Y'all are talking about all these different people. But look at my wife's expression. I love that. She's like, "Honey, how can you not know?" Fellas, how do I not know? <laughs> do you keep track of other people's kids? No. Do you keep track of your own? Okay. I'm just, I'm sorry. It's John and Tammy. John and Tammy did not have twins. They're so Okay, they're grandkids, right? Yeah. How did you miss? <laughs> Amen. Amen. There was food at that table. <laughs> And we were talking about important stuff. I just can't remember any of it. I didn't know. I didn't know if that belonged to Brother Terrell and Miss Diane, if they were somehow associated with John Tanner, just had to be somebody at the church. Not a clue. Okay. But wait a minute, hold on. Did, hold, hold on, sis. Now hold on. Oh, Did you get a really cool illustration for reaching out? Huh? huh? Did you? Did you? No, I did. Okay. So. Who's more aware? Who's more aware? Um, I didn't get the illustration. So there's these two kids that I've never met that I'm supposed to know, right? Um, but they said at the, the young age said what they found out was happening with these twins being little little ones. Um, that. You got it? All right. But next time you preach, Jesus says, they, uh, by the way, if she's ever preaching, stay home. You will not be able to handle it. All right. I've heard so many preachers say that. They say, don't let my wife preach. That's no, I'll never do that. But anyway, the, uh, and by the way, if you don't know, she won't ever be. Okay. So that's it. Um, but the, uh, um, they found out what was happening was one baby would wake up, right? For all the obvious reasons why a baby wakes up. Uh, they, they're like a, they're like a very, inefficient food processor at that age and uh, they so waking up hungry need change all that stuff and uh, then they do that and put it back to bed they get back to bed and 20 minutes later guess what would happen with the other one right so what they ended up doing what the what the parents ended up doing 
was they would come in, and when one wakes up, they're both going to wake up. They would wake up that way, and they're, they're twins, and they're exactly you know, the same age, two minutes apart, whatever, and uh, one's two minutes older than another. And they, they would wake them both up, feed both of them, change both of them, and everybody, from what they reported, were getting a full night's sleep, except for that. I did catch that. And, uh, and so it was, uh, what are they doing? They were, they were making some order out of it. But still, it's a change. It's a good change. Do you understand what I'm talking to you about right now? Each of these are good things. They're right things. They're things that God blesses, but because they are major transitions, if we're not careful, they can become a stumbling block to us. Getting a home, building a home, just people will get completely out of order. Everything else will fall apart. You need to keep your base priorities where they need to be. Why? Because there's a day of adversity and uh, you're going to need the strength. And you develop right, good, proper, healthy spiritual habits, you'll find when that day of adversity comes, you may not have known you were going to have enough strength looking at it. It may scare you. You may not know day by day in it what's going on. If you're not saying what's going on, but that, that you'll have strength, but your strength will be according to your days. And if you do come into a day of adversity and you do find that your strength is small and you do find that you faint, whether it be just not able to go at strength or fainting dead away, then accept the fact, not that you're going to stay there, but accept the fact that is the reality and say, okay, I've learned something from this day of adversity. And so I'm going to step by step seek to be stronger so that I may do well for my Lord in days of adversity. I, I, I'll finish with this. Jesus is heading towards Gethsemane, God's pressing place. He's going to be going through things of both physical and spiritual and soul anguish that we can't even properly imagine. If you read what leads up to that, that dinner with his disciples, the teaching of them about what they're going to be doing once he's gone, the fortifying of himself in prayer, he was building towards that. Last thing he did before they went out to the garden is they sang a hymn together. Right before Jesus went to the garden to be betrayed and then to be crucified, and of course the false trial and the crucifixion at Gethsemane, I mean at Golgotha. Right before then, it says they sung a hymn together and went out. You know what he was doing? It. Strengthening. 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 Why? Because every bit of strength is going to be needed to do the Father's will. Was it not said to the prophet Elijah when he was under that juniper tree? Did not the Lord send the message and said the journey is too great for thee? And what did he do? He fed him with what he needed, rested him as he needed, and then he said that he went in the strength of that. Why? 
of what God had provided. But you've got to be looking for what God's providing. You can't be poisoning your mind with all the negative nonsense that's loose in this world. You can't be feeding on poison and expect health. You can't be ignoring all the blessing God's put around you. Listen to me. I'm so serious with you. You'll pass this off. Some of you would do well just to get out of your house, go find a trail somewhere, and take a walk outside if you have the physical ability to do that. If you can't go walking or something, I'm not talking take a 15-mile hike if you're not in shape to do it, but just get out there. If you can't do that, find a nice place, pull your vehicle over, put the windows down, and, 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 and make sure it's not 90 degrees and sun shining on you. But you see what I'm saying? Get out of this electronic media in a house, in an enclosed world, and open your eyes to the fact that God wants to strengthen. Don't be afraid of getting your copy. If you don't have a copy of the Blessed Promises back there, I suggest you get one. You don't need to pay for it. Just get one. Take it. Look up the categories in that about the blessings and categories about God's promises and just let those speak to you. Church, the day of adversity comes for everybody. Now, if you fainted already and you didn't do so well, guess what? It doesn't mean God's done with you. It means it's time to look at it and say, okay, here's where I am. You're not flipping about it. Okay, here's where I am. What's the next step to go to somewhere that's healthier and better for the Lord? That's what I was supposed to tell you tonight. Let's pray. Father, thank You for Your words. Help Your people to grasp the... This and and Lord, start implementing it. Uh, Lord, may your people decide to be stronger, decide to just take a step and uh, what step they can, look at their situation realistically, Lord, and just say, Okay, Father, in this situation where I am right now, Lord, I'm just going to seek you and love you, take time to praise you. God, I pray you'll help them do that, please. Amen. Let's stand together tonight. You know what you want to talk to the Lord about? Why don't you come on ahead? Don't wait for a song invitation, but you ought to start seeking Him. He said, "Well, I'm in a good place right now, pretty much in my life, and now's a great time to make sure you stay healthy and strong." It really is. Take advantage of that. Yeah, song invitation. Come join those who have come already this evening, if you will.